Okay, let's wait for the passage. All right, the first reading is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The second passage is from Luke chapter 1, verses 76 to 79. And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the third reading is from John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the word of God. Okay, good morning everyone. Great to have you all here today. We're just going to have a short word where we go to God in prayer and ask Him to help us to understand what Christmas is all about. So let's just uh, join with me as we go to God quickly. Dear Father, we thank you so much for Christmas. We thank you that we can celebrate the coming of your Son, Jesus, into this world. And we just pray that in this message, as we look at your word, we will truly understand what the meaning of Christmas is and what the coming of Jesus truly means and why it's worth celebrating. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I used to have a Christmas tree in my house every Christmas. And my parents were really good. They would uh, put Christmas presents under the Christmas tree every Christmas. Vivid memory of mine growing up was every Christmas morning, I would wake up especially early. I would sneak down the stairs to where the Christmas tree was, and I'll kind of like get the boxes, you know, I'll shake them, try to figure out what's in it, and I'll be really excited about Christmas. But today, as you can see, I'm a lot older. I don't really sneak down to the Christmas tree anymore. I don't really feel excited about the socks and the ties that I might be getting, right? So I wonder about you. I wonder whether you feel that way about Christmas. So I was looking at uh, what are the most popular Christmas gifts that people are giving in 2022. So number one, according to the Good Housekeeping website is rechargeable hand warmers. Number two are pure mulberry silk pillowcases. Okay, number three is original reversible octopus flashy. Now I don't know about you, right? But I, I, I wonder whether that fails to get your blood going, right? To really get you excited about Christmas. 
For many people, Christmas may not be actually a time of celebration, but actually it's a time of uh, dread, right? You know, people get these things called Christmas blues. For some people, it's actually a time of uh, depression, mental health issues, things like that. I don't know about you, but I remember before I became a Christian, sometimes Christmas used to be a time of, uh, I guess, loneliness and, and, and depression for me too. You know, you feel obliged to spend money that you may not be having. You feel like pretending to be happy when you're not actually really happy. You feel pressured uh, to be with people that maybe you don't really want to spend time with. Now, this is really sad, right? I remember I sometimes on Christmas Eve, which would have been just a couple of hours before today, spending time at discos or friends' parties, watching my friends getting drunk, and maybe I am getting drunk too. And actually, you feel that Christmas really doesn't have that much to celebrate. Now, this is really sad, I feel, now that I'm a Christian. Because in many ways, the world has forgotten that Christmas is worth celebrating because they've forgotten what Christmas is celebrating. So what exactly is Christmas celebrating? Why do we celebrate Christmas at all? Now, celebration is of good news, right? I mean, genuine celebration always has the elements of good news. Think of the times where you celebrate something where you truly, genuinely, and sincerely are happy about something without presents or booze or, you know, there's something genuinely happy to be about. It's because you're celebrating good news. Maybe it's a celebration of a birth of a child, graduation, you passed a big exam, or you've recovered from a serious illness. These things you celebrate spontaneously, genuinely, and sincerely. And so that's what Christmas really is about, actually. It's about the celebration of good news, fundamental good news. Now, the reality is, in the world that we live in, the worse the bad news, correspondingly, the better the good news. Right? That's the way it works, right? It's like the, the, the worse of the bad news corresponds with the better or the best of the good news. So if I were to say to you today, or you know, not for me, but if you were to see a doctor and they would say to you, I'm so sorry you have stage 4 terminal cancer. You only expected to live a couple of months. Then the good news is that your cancer is cured and you can live a normal life. But if I were to say to you, oh, you know, you only got a cold, well, then there's no point celebrating, right? Because the cold only really lasts a week at the most. And so what it really means is Christmas is really only worth celebrating because it corresponds to a very bad news. And what is that bad news? The Bible tells us two elements of bad news, right? Who we are and who God is, first of all. So let's look, first of all, at who God is. There's bad news in a sense for us because the Bible tells us very clearly that God is this holy creator. It's this holy creator. That means that we are not independent creatures. We can't go through life saying, you know, we answer to nobody. I go about my own business, thank you very much. No, because God is our creator, 
It means that we are answerable to God. God owns us. We owe God. We have this, under this relationship of authority completely, right? God owns us completely. We owe God completely. Now, this is very hard for us to swallow because we generally don't think that anybody owns us or we owe anybody anything. Now, you think about it. Do you feel like you owe the PAP anything? No, right? Do you feel like Lee Sien Lung owns you? No, right? I mean, even if you support the Workers' Party, you don't feel like Pritam Singh owns you, right? And so, in the world we live in, it's quite hard for us to accept that, that God owns us. He owns us and we owe God. But that's part of the bad news because God is our Creator and He owns us and we are under His authority, we are under a relationship authority. But the second problem also is that God is a holy creator. Now we live in a world today where fewer and fewer people believe in God, but if they do believe in God, they believe that God is a loving God, that God is love, that God never gets angry, God never hates anything, and God doesn't judge anybody. And even if God judges us, it's not really judging nice people like us, but he judges the really bad, bad people, you know, the murderers, the rapists, or the people that, you know, have incest with their own children or something. But that's not what the Bible says, right? The bad news is who God is, he's the holy creator, and who we are, we are sinners. Now, the Bible is very clear when it tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's terrible, right? Because if we've all sinned, and we owe God and God owns us, then it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And this is a terrible, terrible news. This is really, really eternally doomed. It's, it's, we're all damned before God, right? And so the bad news of the Bible really is worse than stage 4 cancer. It is terminal in eternal consequences, right? We are all sinners before this holy God. We, we owe this God and He has authority over us and He's going to, He tells us because of our sins, we are under judgment. Now this is one of the single hardest truths to accept, but unless we accept this truth, we embrace this bad news, we cannot have the good news of Christmas. We cannot celebrate Christmas because there is no corresponding good news to celebrate during Christmas. Now, because the news is so bad, so very, very bad, then the good news then is so very, very good. Because the good news of Jesus is about Jesus coming to the world to save us. Now, in the Bible, good news abounds, right? There's all sorts of good news. And in the ancient world, the Christians called good news gospel. Gospel is good news. Gospel means Good news gospel is the good news. In the Bible, there are actually four gospels which concentrate on the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they speak of the good news of Jesus. And they all have to do with Jesus bringing the good news of dealing with the bad news. Of dealing with a God who owns us and we owe God. And deals with us being sinners and our sins. So right from the very first chapters of the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, when he talks about the virgin birth, 
Jesus, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Right from the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, that's what it tells us. In the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, it tells us, And you, my child, be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord and prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the, forg- not for, through the forgiveness of their sins. Again, right at the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, the good news of Luke, it speaks of the salvation from sin. And again, in the Gospel of John, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, that's what the celebration of Christmas is about. It's about Jesus coming to this world to take away the sin of the world. That's worth celebrating, isn't it? The bad news is so bad, and the good news is so good. That's why we celebrate the coming of Jesus in Christmas. Now, it's not that the beginning is all that matters, right, in the Gospel. This is just chapter 1. But it's rather the life of Jesus that we look forward to is what we truly celebrate. Because Jesus is not just what is announced at His birth, the beginning of His life, the start of His life, but what He eventually goes on to achieve, to accomplish, and to do for us, which indeed is to save us from our sins. Now, when you think of biographies or autobiographies of very famous people, they always focus on the most significant and important part of their life. So this is who? Churchill, right? Winston Churchill. So it doesn't speak of Winston Churchill, the chef. You know, he's not the master chef, right? It doesn't speak of Winston Churchill as the, the artist. But it speaks of Churchill when you read his biographies of the statesman of the World War II Prime Minister. In the same way, nobody can not know this person now, one week after the World Cup, right? Who is this person? It's Lionel Messi, right? Now, when you read articles about Lionel Messi, books about Lionel Messi, biographies about Lionel Messi, what do you read about? You don't read about Lionel Messi, the CEO. You read about Lionel Messi, the footballer, because that's what his life is about. The same thing when, you, when people write books about Lee Kuan Yew, they write about him as a statesman, as a prime minister. Again, when you read about Roger Federer, right? you read about books about his great tennis prowess and his longevity, his forehand, you know, things like that. You don't read about other stuff about Roger Federer. And so it's interesting, right? Because when you read the Gospels, they're all focused on Jesus and his saving work. The Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the vast majority of the book, the Gospels, the good news, focus on Jesus going to the cross. And Jesus going to the cross is where he does his saving work. Right? That's what... You know, it's like, it doesn't focus on Jesus, the tennis player, Jesus, the soccer player, right? Jesus, the chef. It's Jesus, the saviour. That's what Jesus has come to do. He has come to save people from their sins. Now, 
I'd like to bring us back to the last quote from the Bible I took, which was John chapter 1, verse 29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, in, in today's world, when you think of lamb, we might think of some white plush toy, or we might think of mutton brani. But in the ancient world, when you talk about lamb, for the ancient people, they, they think of two things, right? Blood, the sacrificial blood of the lamb, which is associated with the word lamb, but also the understanding of the word substitution, right? So again, for those of us, you know, unless you've been living under a rock recently, we've had the World Cup, and you know, World Cup, they also have football substitutions, you know, substitutes. One player substitutes himself for another, right? Okay, so this is not the World Cup, this is Liverpool, because I know there are a lot of Liverpool supporters here, okay? And so, the lamb is associated with blood, right? Death, violent death, and also substitution. And all through the Bible, this is the way God works, to save people through substitution, through blood, violent death. So the very beginning of God's people, you know, Father Abraham, he was the beginning of God's people. God gave a substitutionary ram to substitute himself for Abraham's son, Isaac. For God's people rescued out of Egypt in Exodus from Pharaoh. God gave them the Passover lamb to be killed and his blood put on the doors and substitute for the firstborn sons of Israel. When the, God's people entered into the promised land, every year there was a sacrificial lamb that had to be substituted and killed for the sins of the whole nation. And so, all this was pointing to its fulfillment to Jesus at the cross. Because at the cross, Jesus was the Passover substitute lamb. His blood was what paid for the forgiveness of people. So on the night before Jesus died, they were eating the Passover meal. And what were they eating? The Passover lamb. And Jesus said to his disciples, Take and eat. This is my body. I'm giving my body as a substitute tomorrow when I go to the cross. And then he gave a cup to them, offered it to them and said to them, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus here is actually fulfilling what his life was all about, his mission in life, which is to come to save people from their sins. The good news of Christmas, by giving himself as a substitute and giving his blood in death on the cross. Now this is amazing, right? Because when you think of it, Jesus, in God's plan for the whole of human history, is like the high point, the climax, the pinnacle of salvation plan of God. Now, when you think of the good news, you think of wonderful things which are done, right? Like the, the high climaxes in history. And so what we celebrate in, in Christmas time is the high point, the climax of God's salvation plan to save people from their sins, from the bad news of what we are destined for without Jesus. Now when you think about it, 
What is the high point, the climax of, uh, I guess, our scientific achievement in this world? So some people will say going to the moon, right, is the high point of all of mankind, humanity's scientific endeavors. I mean, if you think about it, it's going to the moon has not been matched yet, right? I mean, it's not as if we've gone to Mars. You know, think of all that technology of all our history put together to send a human being to go to the moon and to come back again. Some people say it's the, the high point of our science, our medical science, is the sequencing of the human DNA sequ uh, sequence, right? To map our whole human DNA. Well, the good news of Jesus coming into the world to save people from their sins is the high point, the climax of God's salvation plan. And that's why Christmas is worth celebrating. Because Christmas is remembering and celebrating Jesus coming to the world to save all of us, all of humanity, from the bad, terrible news of our damnation because of our sins. So to celebrate Christmas rightly, you need to understand the bad news, to accept the bad news that God owns us, that God made us, that God is holy, we are sinners. But we can celebrate because we have the good news that God has sent His own Son to come to save us from our sins, to relieve us from that bad news. Now how do you receive your news? I get the newspaper every morning. You may listen to the news on the radio. You may read the news on your phones. Some of you watch your news on Channel 5 or Channel 8. All this is information, right? You're receiving information. I, I went to Google it. What is, what is news? News is just new information, right? That, that's all it is, right? You get information about Ukraine, information about the COVID, information about the World Cup. This is just news, new information. The thing is, the coming of Jesus and what he does for you on the cross is not just news, it actually accomplishes something for you. It achieves something for you, it does something for you. And, it, and its effect of what Jesus has done in coming to the world during Christmas and going to the cross, its effect still extends to you today. It's not history, right? The effect of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago affects you today because his death on the cross still accomplishes something for you today. And therefore, to really, really, really celebrate Christmas cannot just be, you understand the bad news and you understand the good news, you need to make it your personal news. Because if not, there's nothing to celebrate, it's just information, it's just new information to you. And so that's what the Bible says, right? After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news, right? Repent and believe the good news. You notice what Jesus is doing here? He says it's not enough for us to know the news, the information. He wants us to do something with the information, to repent and believe the good news, or another way of saying it, to turn and to trust in Jesus. Because without making Jesus your, in a sense, personal news, 
what he does doesn't accomplish anything for you, doesn't do anything for you, it does not achieve anything for you. And so, to celebrate Christmas, you need to know the bad news, to know the good news, but more, more, more importantly, you need to make it your personal news. You need to turn and trust in Jesus. Many years ago, my mom was actually diagnosed with terminal cancer. She was diagnosed with uh, terminal uh, pancreatic cancer. So imagine the doctor tells you that you're really, really sick and you only have a few months to live. But if you take this treatment, there's a chance where you can extend your life. And so my mom, she started taking medicine and having treatment. And as a result, she lived to the end of the year at Christmas. Our family got together. My sister came from overseas. And we could celebrate Christmas, right? We could celebrate Christmas. Now, that celebration only was possible because my mom decided to take that medicine, right? In a sense, she was willing to let the medicine achieve and accomplish something for her. If my mom just Googled about the information, about the medicine, she read up on it, and she did all sorts of things, but never actually took the medicine, then there's nothing to celebrate, right? Because the medicine actually doesn't have any effect. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't achieve anything. It's the same thing for us. We can come this Christmas morning and we have this knowledge, right? We know of the bad news. We know that God is this holy creator. We know that we are sinners. We may know that Jesus is the savior that came into the world. He's born this Christmas morn. But if we just know it in our minds, there is nothing to celebrate because there is nothing achieved for us. There's nothing accomplished for us. There's nothing that's done for us. There's no effect. For us, there's nothing to celebrate during this Christmas. So for us to really celebrate Christmas, we must allow the work of Jesus and His coming to have an effect on us. Information, news, is not enough. We must turn and trust in Jesus. So I began today's sermon by talking about people sometimes having the Christmas blues. And I think ultimately it's because we haven't understood that Christmas is worth celebrating because of what it celebrates. It's not about presents, it's not about parties, it's not about gatherings. These are like the, the narrow, earthly, shallow things of the world. But Christmas is celebrating something altogether different. It's about God breaking into this world through His Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from the really terrible bad news of our judgment for sin. Now, when we understand what that means, then truly Christmas is worth celebrating. And I hope that for you, all of us here today, we will allow the work of Jesus to actually do its work to accomplish and do something for us to save us from our sins because then Christmas will be worth celebrating for all of us. 
Okay, I'm not going to uh, end with a short word of prayer again. I'd like to invite you to join me. We're going to ask God to help us to really understand, and more importantly, not just understand, but to accept what Jesus has done for us so that we can truly celebrate Christmas as it's meant to be celebrated. So let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we want to pray for all of us here today that we may celebrate Christmas with a genuine, sincere, and truly overwhelming sense of joy. We pray that we may feel this overwhelming sense of joy because we realize just how bad the bad news is, that you are a holy creator God who owns us, and that we are sinners before you, deserving of all judgment. But the great, great news is, you yourself, through your son Jesus, was born and sent into this world to be our saviour, to save us through the forgiveness of our sins. And dear Father, we pray that this will not just be intellectual or head knowledge, but rather it will be our personal news. It will define us because we will let it accomplish and achieve and do something for us, that we will be the ones who will be saved. And so, dear Father, we pray this Christmas morning that we will celebrate. We will celebrate rightly because what you've done for us is truly momentous and it is for our, for our sake and even today achieves our salvation. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.